0: do that. Uh, That being said, let's let's get to the gospel. Let's get to the really good stuff here this morning. So if you got your Bible, open it to the book of 2 Kings chapter number 4. That's where we're going to start today, 2 Kings chapter (laughs) 4. So I still have a little bit of a cough, and when I really get wound up preaching and teaching and yelling at Tina, you know, at home or whatever, I get to talk, no, I don't do that. She'd yell back, believe me. When I get to talking a lot. I still get to cough so I'm going to try this handheld mic so that I, can, I don't have to cough in your ear. And I've never done this before that I can think of. But I'm going to, I'm going to preach with a cough drop in my mouth, and I'm hoping that will kind of help with the cough. So I'll try not to be like, I don't know if you've ever heard the, the story about the preacher that used to always preach with a piece of candy in his mouth. And he would preach until the candy was gone. Once the candy was gone, he knew it was time to shut off his, his sermon. But one day he just preached and he preached and he preached and went on for hours. And so after, after service, the, the deacons come up to him and they said, man, why in the world did you preach so long? He said, well, I always put a piece of candy in my mouth and I stopped preaching when the candy's gone. But he said, I, I accidentally, when I reached my pocket, I put a button in my mouth. And so, <laughs> so anyway, he just kept going on. The button never went away. So I am not going to guarantee that when this cough drop is gone, uh, I'm going to stop preaching. Uh, for one thing, and number two, I'm not going to guarantee that this cough drive is even going to make it because it's already starting to annoy me, um, having it in my mouth. But I'm hoping it'll kind of uh, take care of the cough. On a second note, stand by in the event I suck this down my windpipe, and I need, and I need the Heimlich maneuver. Uh, that is very possible knowing me. So anyway, Second Kings chapter number 4, verse 1 is where we're going to start today. And, um, and we'll just jump right in here this morning. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 1. Says a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, "Your servant, my (coughs) husband—excuse me, (coughs) sorry—your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. And that was that was a thing back then in Bible days. If you." owed somebody money and you weren't able to pay it back they could literally come and take you or your children away to be slaves to pay for your debt and that's what's happening here here a a godly man who loved the lord he passes away leaves his widow with some debt and now the the creditor is coming and he's going to take her two sons the only thing she really has left in the world her two sons that would be taking care of her he's going to take them uh, as his slaves to pay for the debt so Elisha said to her what shall i do for you tell me what do you have in your, that you're in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. How many of you know when, when God is in it, little is much? Amen? I don't have much. All I've got is this little jar of oil. And so then Elijah said to her, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Everybody say Empty vessels. That's the key. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. In other words, go borrow a bunch of vessels. Don't get as many as you can get. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. So the title of my message this morning is Empty Vessels. Um, Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and, and we do thank you for this country, for our nation's leaders. We thank you for the freedoms that we have. But God, above all things, God, we thank you for the spiritual freedom that we have from sin. God, that you would dare to come where we are. And Go in our place to the cross and pay that horrible horrible death that horrible penalty for our sins And today God as you have cleansed us as you've made us clean We ask you to fill us God fill us with your spirit fill us with power fill us with anointing fill us with joy and peace and God today I stand here as just a vessel and I realize an empty vessel at that God that I have no power in and of myself to change lives But you do what you have to say this morning can change lives. And so I pray, God, that you would anoint me today with the Holy Ghost and fire and speak into the hearts of every person. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 So here this woman's in a, in a predicament, and she's got to pay for this debt. Think about the miracle that takes place here. All she has to her name is a little pot of oil to cook with. And that was valuable. That was something that you had to go to the store and buy, obviously. And so the, the command was this go borrow a lot of vessels what is a vessel a vessel is basically a hollow container hang on let me grab it out of here without spilling anything this is a vessel a vessel is a hollow container used for storing stuff now i don't know about you what i love Folgers coffee and when I, when I've used the last of the coffee out of this thing, I cannot bring myself to throw this away. Is anybody else like that? Raise your hand. You're like, I cannot bring myself to throw these away. They are just too stinking handy. I mean, it's got a lid on it. You can store so much stuff in here. It's got these cool little hand, handle on the side, you know, where it's convenient. to I, I use this for, for painting, like I was staying on my deck this summer and you can hold rather than carrying a paint can around and you hold this handle. And it's just, they're, they're just too handy and I cannot bring myself to throw them away. Although my favorite thing, me and Brady's favorite thing to do with these is to fill them with water and shoot them with a rifle. You ever done that? That's cool. Do that. Yeah. They blow up and stuff. But anyway, this is a vessel. It's something hollow, something empty that you store stuff in. They're not meant to be empty. They're meant to be full, right? So that you store stuff in them. I don't keep these things because I like the way they look although I did match this morning. See, I go I go to great lengths to make sure that these sermons are what they need to be, and I even matched my visual aid. So I did, but I don't keep these because I like the way they look. I keep them because they're functional. I keep them so that I can store stuff in them. I keep screws and nails and you name it. I keep all kinds of stuff in here. Um, so that said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, and then I'm going to come back to 2 Kings. Paul writes this, for... It is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now I love this scripture. I love the thought of what the scripture says. But we have this treasure. What's the treasure he's talking about? The light of the gospel. Amen. The knowledge of Jesus Christ in that he went to the cross in our place that we could be free from sin. And that the whole and the, and the Holy Spirit that comes. In to abide within us once we've believed the gospel. We, that's the treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is an earthen vessel? It's a vessel made out of the earth. What is your body made out of? The earth, right? The dust of the earth. You, we are earthen vessels. So an earthen vessel is something that can be cracked. If you make, if you take some clay and make a pottery vase or something, it can be cracked. It can be broken. It's made out of the earth, uh, but you can put very valuable stuff in it. And that's what Paul is ultimately talking about for us that we're made of the I just almost sucked that down my pipe. I better take that out of there. <laughs> that was hmm, that was close. So <laughs> you'll just have to put up with my coffee. <laughs> so we're made from the dust of the earth and we are we're broken. Amen. We're broken and we and we're temporary and we're we can be we can sin, all of these types of things, but this but this treasure that God has. The gospel, his spirit, he puts inside earthen vessels. Ultimately what he's saying in this verse is it's not about the vessel, it's about the treasure. Amen? It's not about the vessel, it's about the treasure, what we put in the vessel. So you think about if have you ever watched TV, ever watched a show where like treasure hunters or something, these people that go and there's some valuable treasure somewhere and they're going to go look for it? So they're not out there looking. I mean, they're saying, we're looking for a treasure chest. They're really not looking for a treasure chest, are they? They're looking for what's inside the treasure chest. So I don't imagine any treasure hunter would ever go and search the world far and wide and dig and go through all of these things and find a treasure chest. Woo, we found the treasure chest. Yay. And open it up and say, well, what's all this gold stuff in here? Dump that out. We found a treasure chest. No, it's, it's the gold inside, ultimately, that matters the most excuse me, it's not about the vessel, it's about the treasure. So back to Second Kings. This woman is in desperate need and she has some oil and in the scripture we find where oil represents the Holy Spirit. Amen? God, God has a, a lot of oil to give out. He just needs some places to put it. Amen? The anointing of the Holy Spirit that God has ample amounts of he just needs some people that he can fill with his Holy Spirit, that he can fill with salvation, that he can use. And any vessel, he said, bring any vessel. That's what Elijah told her. He said, well, you've you got this oil, and, 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 and so God did a miracle. When they brought all these vessels out, he, he just he took this one vessel that had oil in it, he pours it, and he fills this vessel up. And he takes the same vessel, and he pours into another one and fills it up. Now, how many of you know that defies all the laws of physics? If this thing was full of water and I poured it all into another one, then this one is empty now. Isn't that true? But in this scenario, because God defies all the laws of physics, God is not, he, he, he pours the oil and fills this one up, but now this one is still full. That's the way God works. There's no limit to what God can do in our life. And he says, so I want, what I want you to do is go get as many vessels, empty containers as you can find. You'll notice that there was no sp- specifics I'm going to keep this here so I can get to it. There were no specifics as to what the vessels needed to look like, was there? He didn't say, go find all of the fancy vessels that you can find. There, there, was, there was no indication. It didn't matter what kind of vessel it was. It could have been ugly, could have been nice, could have been made of gold, could have been made of wood. That didn't matter. The vessel, the kind of, matter, the kind of vessel didn't matter. All that mattered was that it was empty and it was willing to receive the oil, amen? So when God looks for people to fill, People to put his spirit into, his gospel into. He's not looking for rich people. He's not looking for talented people. He's not, there's not a certain quality of person God is looking for to save. He looks for any vessel that's willing to be filled. No matter how much money we make, no matter whether we're talented or how much sin we've committed in the past. None of that matters. Just a willing vessel, an empty vessel is all God needs. That's all he's looking for. <coughs> Don't ever think you're not good enough. Don't ever think you're not good enough to be saved. God said, I'm not concerned about the vessel. I'm not concerned about where you've been. All I want you to do is just open up and let me in. Amen? How many of you know, though, you can't put anything in this if the lid's on it. The only way for this vessel to be filled is for me to take the lid off and hold it out to be filled. We, We, because of our pride, because of our sin, because of the lies of the devil or maybe the, the lies of people that have told us we'll, ne- we'll never amount to much or, we, or we're too far gone. we can never be, Whatever reason, sometimes we, we have a lid and God can't pour in until we take off the lid. You know how we take, all, you know how we take the lid off and let God fill us? It, it, we, we just simply go to him humbly and repent. Say, God, I believe you. I repent of all my sins. I take the lid off. Fill me, please. That's what God is looking to do in each and every one of us. So, she, they pour and they pour and they pour and they fill all of these vessels until they'd run out of vessels. But here's what I like about this. They, they didn't do this thing, in order for this thing to happen, They didn't necessarily just, they didn't go down to the market and do it right there. I love, I love what Elijah told her to do. He said, when you have come in, get all, borrow all these empty vessels. When you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into the vessels. Shut the door, then pour. Say that with me. Shut the door, then pour. They had to get someplace quiet and alone. Shut the door, get in with God so that he can then begin to pour into our life. Church, in a a service like this, when God's spirit is moving, this is a great place to open up and let God fill you. Amen? Amen. To empty you of all of your sin and then to fill you with his spirit. It's a great place, the best, best place, I think, to do it. But folks, there's times in our life, sometimes we just got to get alone with God. Sometimes we just got to get in. We got to shut the door. Jesus teaches us, get in, get in your prayer closet, shut the door and get a hold of God. And when we, get, when we get in somewhere, we close ourselves off from the world and we shut the door, God begins to pour. He begins to fill us with his anointing, with his spirit. Amen. So we as, we as God's people, okay, we're not, we weren't created. We weren't created to be empty we were created to be filled with something. Something more than just ourselves. Something more than just our ambitions. More than just our flesh. We are made up of flesh, and we are made up of spirit. So the flesh is the vessel, basically, but the spirit is what's in the vessel. Our spirit is who we really are, by the way. It's our spirit inside us that that drives the car, as it were. So in in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we find we're excuse me, the church, the disciples, the believers in Jesus, all after Jesus had been crucified, and they're still trying to figure all of this out. Jesus, he died, he's resurrected, and now he went back to heaven, and here we are. And so, so the disciples, the Bible says, they all got together in an upper room. <coughs> they all went together in an upper room, and in one mind and in one accord, they began to pray, and they begin to seek God. They shut the door, right? They got shut off from the world. They shut the door and they began to seek God. And guess what happens? The Bible says that there was a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. And the Holy Ghost came and filled because we weren't created to be empty. We were created to be filled and he filled them all. God poured out his spirit because that's what he said he would do. That was a prophecy from way back. God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Anybody with the lid off. Anybody that wants me, I'll give myself to them. I will pour my spirit into them. And on that day, they were there. They they, they shut the door and God poured and he filled their vessels, filled them with the Holy Ghost. They went into that upper room empty. They went into that upper room confused, scared, frustrated, discouraged. Because they didn't understand what was going on. But after God poured his spirit into them, after after the the knowledge of the gospel really came to light for them and they really began to understand it and God filled their vessels. Now they they weren't confused anymore. Now they understood because that's what happens when God fills us. We begin to see things that we couldn't see before. Amen? When God saves us and his spirit comes to abide within us because that's what the scripture teaches. That's what Jesus said. I and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we're all gonna come and live inside of you. And when that happens, we're not confused anymore. We have understanding. We don't understand everything, but we understand more than we did before, amen? No one, ain't nobody, I don't care how long you've been saved, ain't nobody in this room including my 24 years in ministry. I don't understand everything, but I understand more than I did before I got saved. Why is that, because of all my study. No, because the Holy Spirit has given me some understanding as he will you. They weren't scared anymore, they were bold. I mean, what's the difference? They go in the upper room empty and they're scared. They come out and they're filled and they're bold. What's the difference? The spirit that God put in them that gave them the power to go out and preach boldly the gospel that they were kind of afraid to preach and say too much about before. They went into that room empty and frustrated. Now they come out with vision. They're not wondering, what are, where's our life going? What am I? I mean, before they were like, Jesus says he was here, he, he died, he did all these miracles, now he's gone, now where do we go? But now they come out of that room, now that they've been filled, now they've got direction. They have vision. They know what life is all about and what their calling is. Are you in a place right now? You're frustrated? What, where am I going? What's life all about? I feel empty. Get on your knees, get locked in, get in somewhere, take the lid off and let God fill you you'll have some direction in your life. Are you discouraged? God can give you courage. He can give you encouragement, filling vessels with the treasure of the Holy Spirit. It's not about the vessel. It's about the treasure, amen? And you go on through there in the book of Acts and you read about Paul on his way to Damascus. That was pretty clever. I got, I got to hand her that one, that was pretty good. I, I, am, I'm, I love corny jokes, by the way. I'm, I am the epitome of the dad joke. So that was a good dad joke. But Paul's on the way on the way to Damascus. Paul, if you don't know, just, just in a nutshell, Paul is this, this guy who, he's a Jew and he believes in the Jewish ways and the Jewish law. He believes in God, but he don't believe in Jesus. And he's doing, he's devoted his life to do whatever he can do to shut Jesus up and to shut up all of Jesus' believers and preachers. And he's got a license to do it legally. He's got a license by the, uppers to go and capture people put them in just because of their faith in Jesus capture them put them in prison kill them whatever he needs to do and so he's on his way to Damascus to catch more Christians and put them away and on his way there as he's riding on this horse and Jesus appears before him in all of his glory and all of his brightness physically he sees this bright light and you can imagine what it would be like for you if you're, you're just riding down the road um, you know, on your old, old dirt road driving. What is that? What is that? What is that song? Uh, anyway, uh, I was trying, I was trying to be all hip and I blew it severely. Um, anyway, uh, so he's driving down the old dirt road on his horse, whatever that song says. (laughs) Help me, Brady. Old town Town road. He's right. He's riding down the old town road. (laughs) Uh, okay. I I just move on. I blew that one. But anyway, um, if I'd have known I was going to say that, I'd have done a little homework, but that just came to my mind. But anyway, he's on his horse. He's on his way to Damascus. He's driving down, and this bright light shines, and he, he's startled, and he falls off of his horse, and he's blind. Jesus literally blinded him. And as he's there, and he's blind, he can't see anything, but he hears something very clearly. You know what he hears? The voice of Christ, who basically says, hey, man, I'm stronger than you are. What are you doing kicking against the pricks? I mean, what are you picking a fight with me for, man? And, and so uh, that's paraphrased ultimately, but, but here's the thing. Jesus speaks to, to, to Saul. He's Saul then. He later becomes known as Paul. But he speaks to Saul and he says, I want you to go to a certain, certain place and wait for further instruction. He gets there. And Saul is there. He's blind and all he knows is what's going on. He's, I mean, he's as empty as a man can be. Jesus has literally just taken him and poured out all of his religious pride because he had plenty of religion. Jesus is not the slightest bit concerned about making us religious. You can be religious about anything. I religiously drink coffee. Does that make me holy? No. He was, Paul, Saul was religious. He went to church. He went through all the motions, but, but he was prideful about that. So Jesus takes and pours out all of his religious pride, all of his sin, all of his false beliefs, and says, now, go over here to this guy's house and just wait. Take, and, and I mean, Paul's lid is not only off, I think it's gone. And he's just sitting there waiting for instruction from God, waiting to be filled. And God speaks to a, 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 another preacher by the name of Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I want, while Ananias is praying, God says to Ananias, I want you to go over to the, to the house of, uh, I forget what the guy's name was now, but I want you to go to this certain place and there's a man there, Saul of Tarsus, and I want you to speak to him the gospel. Now, if you were a Christian during this period of time, there was two names that you knew for certain. Nobody had to explain to you who they were. There were two names that you knew as soon as you heard them. One, the name of Jesus, right? You knew who Jesus was. You'd heard all of the reports. Even if you didn't see Jesus, you knew he had healed people. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. So you knew the name of Jesus and you knew the name Saul of Tarsus. Amen? Because he was the one that was out killing and throwing Christians and throwing them into prison. So as a Christian, you knew. I mean, he was church enemy number one. And so Ananias, he's praying, and you can imagine, I don't, I don't know about you, but there's been times I've prayed and God really lays something on my heart, and I think, mm, I don't think I must have heard that right. That's kind of what happened with, with Ananias. God says to him, Ananias, I want you to go over to, to this guy's house, and there's a man there, Saul of Tarsus, I want you to preach to him the gospel. And Ananias is thinking to himself, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm off right now. I, I, something, I'm not hearing you just right, because I could have swore I just heard you say, go and talk to, Paul, to Saul of Tarsus. And that guy was, will have me thrown into prison. And this is what God This is what Jesus said to Ananias. Go, for he, speaking of Paul, he is a chosen vessel. I want you to go. Don't worry about the whole persecution thing, Ananias. I've got all that covered. Saul is over there with his vessel. He's over there open. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He's a chosen vessel, and I must fill him with the gospel. I must fill him with my spirit, and I will use him over the entirety of the world to spread my gospel. That's exactly what they did. By the way, when you open your Bible, especially to the New Testament, there are about 14 14 books that Paul wrote, I don't remember, but the majority of the New Testament that you hold in your hand, Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it. Ananias goes in, he says, Brother Saul, let me tell you what Jesus did for you at the cross. And he began to share the gospel with him. And 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 God filled uh, Saul with the Holy Spirit, filled his vessel. And Saul got up from there. He's now Paul. And he begins to preach the gospel. And never was there a preacher, really, since Christ died, that led more people to Jesus than, than Paul. I mean, not only he led thousands of people, established churches all over the world in that day. But not only that, but today, this very day, he's still leading souls to salvation because of the word that he's written, because that God gave him to read. The point was this. He was full of stuff. God had to get it all out because he was a chosen vessel. And I want everybody in this place this morning to understand that you, too, are a chosen vessel. Every one of us are chosen vessels. God looks at each one of us individually. You know, when, when, when Jesus looks out across here, he doesn't just see a congregation. He sees a bunch of individuals. That he cares for and loves very much. Chosen vessels. He said, you didn't choose me. I, or I didn't, You didn't choose me. I chose you. We're all chosen vessels of God. The question is, will we take the lid off and let him fill us? Amen. That's ultimately the question. God says, I'll choose you if you want to be chosen. Don't ever be satisfied. Don't ever be satisfied being an empty vessel. Don't ever be satisfied with this. Because when you're an empty vessel, it leaves you feeling well empty inside. Amen? Every human being wants to be fulfilled. Every human being wants purpose in their life. And so the only way to be fulfilled is to be filled. Amen? The only way to have fulfillment in your life and to know what the meaning of life is and purpose without just, just life becoming this vain, useless waste of time. We want to be fulfilled. We only get that when we're filled with the gospel, the treasure of God. And that gives us purpose. That gives us direction. That gives us the fulfillment that we need. Now turn with me into Matthew chapter 12. Excuse me. I am sorry. I keep coughing in your ear. I try not to do that. Matthew chapter 12, along the lines of verse 43. Jesus tells an, an interesting story here. And there's there's a lot packed into these next set of scriptures. And I'm not going to try to unpack everything. I just want to make a point through them. And it doesn't take a, a ton of unpacking, really, to see what Jesus is getting at here. But that being said, let's read Matthew chapter 12, verse 43.
1: It
0: says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. When an when a, when a evil spirit, an unclean spirit, goes out of a man. This is a picture of someone who's just been set free right? Someone who has had demonic possession or been driven by unclean spirits, but now has been delivered. That place of of salvation. Spirit going through uh, dry places, seeking a place to rest. Uh, 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 Demons apparently need a place to rest. Remember like when Jesus was, uh, or not to rest, but to abide. Remember uh, uh, Jesus, when he come in contact with the demon possessed person in the tombs and he goes to cast out the demons and they said, well, don't just cast us out. Let us go into the what? The swine, they want some, some place to be, some place to be housed. And so he casts them in the swine. So he said, when an unclean spirit has been cast out and he goes to uh, uh, dry places seeking rest and he doesn't find any. Look at this though, verse 44. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now, what's that? The person who has been delivered from the unclean spirit. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. Now that doesn't sound, so the guy, ultimately the last state, they end up worse off than they were before. So as I used to, when I'd say the scripture, it always bugged me a little bit because one thing we know from the scripture is who the sun sets free is free in what? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I set this free. And so Satan can't just come back in anytime he wants to. And that always kind of bugged me as I'm trying to reconcile all this. And that's why I said there's a lot packed into there. I'm not gonna to try to unpack. But, I, but I, I come to the conclusion finally where I think it all boils down to this. The, the main problem with this situation is a demon's been cast out. He's trying to find a place to, to take up residence and he can't find anything. So he goes back to the place where he was cast out. And he find, the, the problem, I think, here is that he finds this person When he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. So obviously when Jesus saves us, he puts our life in order, right? Obviously when Jesus saves us, he sweeps out all of the sin and all of the gunk and all of the shame and all of the guilty. He sweeps us and we are clean and we are empty. The problem with this, I think, is the fact that he found the guy empty. And we as God's creation were never designed to be empty. We were designed to be filled. You find no no spirit there, no, no passion there, no drive, no desire for Christ, just emptiness. And folks, there's people sitting in church pews all across this world right now, all across this country, and maybe even some right here in this building. Christian people, church people sitting here empty. And God didn't design us to be empty. He wants us to be filled with his spirit, filled with the gospel, used for his purpose. But we sit many times with our lid on because we're a little afraid that when God fills me with his anointing, what that might cost me. I'm A little worried about what that may require of me and so we keep our lid on and we're empty. And folks, when we're empty, when we're not not led and driven every day by the spirit of God, we leave ourselves wide open to the works of the enemy. So the thing about vessels is they can be used for good stuff or bad stuff. I can put coffee in this, or I can put poison in this. It's an empty vessel. It is completely up to me. I'm the one holding the vessel. It's completely up to me what I put in it, right? I can put good stuff in there. I can put bad stuff in there. When we're empty, we don't seek God. It all comes down to whoever's holding us, whoever's holding our vessel, whether they put good or whether they put bad. The problem here was the guy was empty, and he was therefore susceptible. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, folks, I mean, when, when, when we're saved and we have the gospel in us, God has filled us with his presence. He has taken up residence. There ain't no room for the devil. Amen? There ain't no room for the devil. My house right now, man, it's empty, there ain't nobody in it, and so somebody could break in and come in and take whatever they wanted because it's empty. But when it's full, when I'm home, Ain't nobody going to just walk into my house and take my stuff. I'm going to defend it. When we're empty, we keep our lid on. We don't let God have his way. Then sometimes the devil, has, he's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But folks, if I'm filled with the spirit of God, I, the devil can't come in. God will run him off. We just put it plain and simple. Hallelujah. I'm filled. And therefore, I'm fulfilled. And therefore, I'm protected. I don't have to worry about what Satan will do to me or try to do to me. There's no room for him to move back in. Amen? Well, I'm going to take you here, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind this up here. In John chapter number 2, verse 1, this is, this is another one of those scriptures that sometimes we, we find it hard to explain, when, you know, Jesus turning the water into wine, and we won't get all caught up in that, but I want you to understand, I want you to see here what Jesus is doing and what he has uh, said to us in this whole scenario when he turns the water into, into wine. John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day there was a, a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding and when they ran out of wine the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine. Jesus said to her woman what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants whatever he says to you do it. So let me just give you a little bit. Mean, here's basically what's happening Jesus has not really officially began his ministry yet. It's not really, ultimately, it's really not time. Um, but his mommy made him. I mean, literally, that's what's going on. It, he hasn't began his ministry. He hasn't healed anybody. had not cast out any demons. He hasn't raised anybody from the He literally hasn't taught. You know, he, he's not there yet. He's at this wedding. Some friends are having a, having a wedding. And it, it's just, it, would be an, it was an embarrassment in that day and time as they serve wine. If you ran out of wine before, it would just be like, I mean, you know how it is when you have a dinner. You know, you want to have more than enough. You don't want to get, you know, the line. If we have a church dinner or something and, and about half the line gets through when we run out of food, that's embarrassing. That's what happened. They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough wine to serve everybody. And so his mother, Mary, comes to Jesus, and she's concerned. She's worried. She feels bad for this couple who's just gotten married. They didn't, they didn't plan well enough. They didn't have enough wine. Why don't you do something about that? And he says, ah, it's not time yet. I'm not, I'm not ready to really start you know, doing miracles in the public. And she, and she doesn't say, please, would you do it for your mom? Or she doesn't say, she just, she, he says, no, I can't. It's not time yet. She turns to the people and says, uh, t- just whatever he tells you to do, do it. Which was her way of saying, do what I'm telling you to do, right? I mean, so literally, Jesus obeys his mom, and he says, all right. So he says to them this. Where do I leave off? Verse five. No, verse six. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the, the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Just, oh, by the way, just so you know, I didn't think to mention this. We have a lot of visitors here today, and God bless you. Glad that you're here. So, you know, I've already had COVID and I'm over it. Okay. So as I cough and everybody, everybody's sitting there thinking, gosh, I think this guy's got COVID. No, I've already had it. I'm, I'm done. This is the, the difference. So um, anyway, um, according to the manner of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons of peas. So each one of these big stone vessels, containers that literally had 30, between 20 and 30 gallons of water in them. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. I think the King James, King, King James is the governor of the feast, basically the guest of honor. To the most important person at this wedding, dip some of that out and take it to them. Remember, they put it in and it was water. He said, just dip some out take it to the most important person in the room. Now, in most situations, you know, you'd think you'd want to, let's try this out on the people that we really don't like right first let's let's take let's just try this new wine out on the people that we didn't even they didn't even get an invitation to the wedding but they came anyway they crashed the wedding or let's take it to the, they didn't rsvp or nothing let's give it to them and that way if it really is bad we won't give it. no jesus said i want you to give it to the most important person in the room so they did when the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine and did not know where it came from but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, or the bad wine. You have kept the good wine until now. Ultimately this. Most people, when they would have a wedding, they would spring a little extra for the good stuff. Right? The good wine. And they would serve that at the beginning. And then after everybody had drunk the good wine for a while, and they're good and and tipsy, then you give them the bad stuff, the cheap stuff, and they don't know any different. But he said, you have waited till the end. You served the bad at first. You waited till the end to bring the best. In other words, what Jesus had done was better than anything else man could ever do, which you could, I could take a hold and preach a sermon on that. But the bottom line was he was impressed with his wine. God, Jesus had just taken something that had no flavor, something that had no taste. Water doesn't really have much of a taste. You know, nobody, you don't go to a party, nobody goes to a party and says, woo, bring me out another bottle of Niagara here. Bring me out another bottle of Danasee. I mean, nobody gets excited about water. But at a, at a wedding or a party, it's, the, it's the wine, Jesus took something that didn't have any taste, something that was, you know, bland, and he turned it into something with flavor. My, my, my point is this, that God is able to take what's wrong in us and turn it into what's right in us. That which is wrong in us, the sin, the shame, the guilt, the rebellion, you name it. Just like Jesus took that water and he turned it into wine, took something bland and he turned it into something flavorful, God takes what's wrong in our life and he turns it into something that is good. If we're a willing vessel. Amen? We all have to be emptied. That's what salvation is all about. You don't, if you don't, you don't have to be, if you weren't raised in church and it's all new to you, it's, you don't have to have just the right prayer. You don't have to sound a certain way. You don't have to have just the right words. It's just simply a matter of saying, God, I just want you to empty me out and fill me back up again. I promise you, if that's all you can muster in a prayer, God knows what you mean by that. And he'll do just that. He said, well, you're a chosen vessel and I'm, I'll take out the sin and I'll put my love in there. I'll put my spirit in there doesn't matter what kind of vessel it is. I told you a minute ago I was going to end with that, but I'm going to end with this, I promise. And I'm going to make this very short. In in Genesis, we read about Joseph, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. We know how his dad favored him over all of his brothers. His brothers were jealous. They hated him. Uh, So therefore they they threw him in a pit one day and they were going to kill him. They said, "Ah, let's make a dollar or two off of him. So they sell him into slavery. He becomes a slave to a man by the name of Potiphar, but he decides if I'm going to be a slave, I'll be the best slave that I can be. And so he works for Potiphar. Potiphar's house flourishes. He, He sees that God's favor is with Joseph. And so Potiphar puts Joseph over all of his house. And then Potiphar's wife comes in one day. She also liked Joseph in another way. And she made a sexual will advance at him he pushed back said nope I'm not going to I'm not going to fail my god or my master and she, he refused so she screams and she lies and says that he tried to force himself upon her and so Potiphar gets mad throws Joseph in prison so I mean you see Joseph is we're talking about a roller coaster here but Joseph ends up in prison, and so he decides if I'm going to be a prisoner, I'm going to be the best prisoner I can be. And the head over the prison sees that God's favor is with Joseph, puts him over all of the prison, and in the, in the course of action, he ends up standing before Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh finds that, Pharaoh has this dream, and it bothers him. And somebody says, hey, you know what, there's a, there's a guy in prison, his name's Joseph, and he can interpret dreams. God gives him the ability. So he brings in Joseph, Pharaoh tells joseph what his dream is and joseph interprets it and basically says this what god is telling you through your dream is that there are going to be seven years of plenty and then there's going to be seven years of famine so starting from right now for seven years the ground is going to grow crops like crazy i mean we're going to have prosperity in this country everything you plant is going to is going to give bountifully but as soon as that seven years is over you're not going to grow nothing the, the creeks are going to dry up. There's not going to be any water. The ground is not going to be any rain. You're not going to dry. You're not going to grow anything. Seven years of drought and famine. So what you need to do is grow as much as you can in the seven years. And what you need to do is build up storehouses, vessels, builds up. these. You see these big, I, I picture them like big silos we see at a farm, at a farm, build up these storehouses and then grow all of this grain, all of this food, and then put it in the storehouses so that whenever the famine comes and the good years are over, you have something to draw from, right? So that's what they did. They went to work and they they grew and they grew and they grew and they stored and they stored. These, These were empty vessels, these big silos, and they filled them up full of food in preparation for the time that they were gonna need it the most seven years of plenty were over. Here comes the seven years of famine and now everybody's getting hungry. Everybody's getting nervous. Everything's drying up. And I like the way that the scripture says it like this. The famine was over the face of the earth and Joseph opened up all the storehouses. The world was in desperate need of food and they had it because their vessels were full because they'd been planning ahead of time. Amen. See, they filled the vessels when life was good so that they'd be prepared when life was bad. Life is good. You say life is good. Now, we, we have a tendency to not fill so much when things are going good. When life is going well and we're not really in a pickle, we have a tendency to get lazy spiritually, don't we? We don't pray like we should. We don't study the word of God like we should. We don't go to church like we should because life is good. I'll wait till things get horrible and then I'll call on God. That ain't the way it works. We, we're supposed to fill our vessels up when things are good. Seek God every day, and every day God's filling our vessels so that when life is stinky, we have something to draw from. And not only, uh, not only for us, but folks, the entire world around that area during this time was relying on Egypt. People were dying of hungry, hunger and starvation, and it, was, it said the famine was in all the land, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. So Joseph opened up all of the storehouses and all countries, the Bible says, came to Joseph. The whole world depended on Egypt and Joseph to feed them and to keep them alive because their storehouses were full. Their vessels were full. What good would all of those storehouses done the world in Egypt if they were to been empty? Let's, let's Let's say they got lazy. Let's say that Joseph and the Egyptians did like we do. Let's say they started off, okay, here we go. Gonna, seven years of plenty, we're going to get it all stored up. They build the storehouses, beautiful storehouses. Man, those are gorgeous storehouses. So we're going to get to work and filling them up, and then they get going a little bit, and two years goes by, and they think, you know, really, maybe Joseph was smoking something. You know, maybe, maybe there's really not going to be, it's not going to get that bad. And let's just say they start off good, but then they just get busy. How many of you have ever done there, been there? Be honest. We start off good, we're, we're gonna do this for God, we're gonna do that for God, and we start off and then we get lazy or we get discouraged or whether we let the devil talk us out of it or we talk ourselves out of it and we just, we stop. And let's say they just, they just filled up one of the, they had probably many storehouses and they filled up one about halfway and then just kind of let it go. Uh, that's, that's probably sufficient. And then the famine comes and the world looking to them for sustenance and for survival. They say, well, I would help you, I would help you, but but look at our storehouses. See how pretty they are? Look at those storehouses. Look how beautiful, I mean, they took all, they took a lot of time and work. Look at what we did. We built storehouses, big whoop. They're empty. Those storehouses aren't doing us any good. It's the grain inside we needed many times oh look at me i go to church look at me i do this look at me and he it, it said it's not about the storehouse it's not about the vessel are you filled or are you empty that's ultimately what it boils down to because here's the thing folks as the world gets darker and it is and it will continue to do so no matter who's president it's so it's going to be, it's a dark world. It's a sinful world and it's going to continue to get darker. And so guess who God puts in place for the world, the lost world around us to find salvation. Guess who God places strategically in order for people who are in the dark to find some light. People who are starving to death spiritually to find spiritual food and salvation. Guess who God is looking for to be there for the world when they need us? Us. people come to us for salvation, what a a shame it would be if somebody that needed Jesus came to me and I was empty. I would have anything to say to them. I'd bumble, blumber, and maybe quote them a verse and just impassionately give them some cookie cutter answer. I'm just empty. What a shame that would be. But if if I'm filled and God's spirit is guiding me and directing me and, and God places somebody in my path, I or you, anybody can say to them, here's the thing, Jesus loves you. Don't be, cont- just let God empty you out and he'll fill you back up. That's, that's what we're here for, not just for us, but for the world around us. That's what God has called us to do. There is but one vessel and one vessel only that God ever intended to remain empty. And that was the tomb of Jesus Christ, amen. That's the only thing God ever intended, to remain empty. I quoted 2 Corinthians a minute ago, but the first part of that, before he's talking about um, being, or after actually, he's talking about treasure in earthen vessels. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Ultimately, what he's saying is this. Things are not going so well in the natural. I mean, Paul's being thrown in prison. He's being beaten. In the natural, things aren't going so well. But in the spiritual, things are going great. He's like, look, I'm getting beaten everywhere I go, but people are getting saved like crazy. Why? why, why? How can you take that attitude? Because he was filled with the right stuff. Amen? He realized that his calling, he was a chosen vessel to have something that people needed. Ultimately, the gospel. But he goes, he goes about to say this, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be, manifest in, may be also manifested in us. The one vessel God ever intended to remain empty and that was the tomb of Jesus because Jesus resurrected from the dead. That which was hopeless, that, that which was over, that which was had death attached to it was annihilated, and now there's life. Now there's power. Now there's anointing because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the good news I have for you today is that if you're a child of God, you have resurrection power in you. You have resurrection power in you. That means, A, you're saved. Sin does not no longer have any control over you. You're not gonna die the death of separation from God and hell. You, you, you have life. You one day be resurrected. Bible says, if if the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then you also will be resurrected. So we know that we've got the, the glorified body one day when this body dies we're glorified and we have all that and that's great but i think that the resurrection power goes further than that i think that the resurrection power abiding in us means that i don't have to abide in death It means that when when i when the enemy comes against me i have something that raises me up that there is nothing in my life whatsoever no matter how bad it is that is final that god can't handle because there's resurrection power inside of me amen that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is in you. If you're here this morning and you're saved, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, his spirit is living in you. And he wants to fill it up so that it's flowing over and getting all over everybody. If I was to take and hold this over Ryan's head and start filling it up with water, this vessel's gonna get, but I just keep going even when it gets full. I just keep pouring. I hold it over Ryan's head. Not only is this vessel getting filled, but he's getting wet too. It's getting off, it's getting on to him. And God said, I wanna, I wanna fill you with my spirit, with my love, with my joy, with my peace so that it runs off onto the world and the people around you. They can know how much I love them too. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you filled this morning? Do you have... Here's the question. You get, ladies, go ahead and come to the, the piano. Simple question. I'm not going to overcomplicate this altar call this morning. I try not to anyway. Here's the question. Is this you? Or is this you? Simple question. Based on everything I just got done saying here this morning. Are you saved? You've repented of your sin and you've asked God to empty you out and fill you up. Or are you still living with the lid on? Maybe God's been dealing with you lately. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you're watching on live stream today. God's been dealing with you. You're just concerned about the future. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking your future. Concerned about your soul. You're concerned about eternity. What happens to me when I die? And God's dealing with you. But you just haven't taken the lid off yet. I believe that this morning God's wanting some folks to take the lid off. Of their vessel and let him in. Amen. That's that's what this whole message is about this morning. I didn't I didn't get this message on on the internet. I didn't read it out of a book. I didn't just in fact I didn't really get this message solid till this morning. This is I believe that God is speaking to you this morning. Here, live stream. This is the moment to take the lid off and let Jesus in. Would you bow with me this morning? Everybody just be honest with yourself today and be honest with God. I'm gonna pray here this morning and then as they begin to sing a song of invitation, these altars are open this morning. If you wanna just publicly, right now in this moment, stand and say, yes, I, I, Lord, the lid's off. You can come up here, you can kneel down at that altar, you can stand up front, you can raise your hand, we'll come back and pray with you, it doesn't matter. So long as you're willing to take the the lid off. Begin that conversation with him right now. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that we don't have to meet some sort of standard in order for you to love us or save us. It's not about the vessel. It's all about the treasure. You save us, God, not even for our sake so much as for yours. It's your desire to save us. So as you search the hearts and examine the minds of every person here and every person watching by live stream today, I pray, God, as Satan lies and, and tries to, he's got his fingers clenched on that lid trying to hold it on, but I pray that you would shake it. I pray, God, that you would pry that lid out of his fingers and let each person come to a place where they can humbly take that lid off and let you in change their life set them free indeed fill them with love and with peace and with joy fill them with the gospel Lord God fill them with your spirit as only you can in Jesus name just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning this is a personal thing you're not doing this for me or for the church or for anybody else it's between you and God and ain't nobody else got to watch it ain't nobody else got to look you're not ashamed you shouldn't be ashamed but this is between you and God let him do what he does as they sing this morning
1: thing that would hinder my sweet world.
0: to say this morning that if I were standing up here with a barrel full of gold coins and I gave each one of you a bucket I brought each one of you a Folgers can because I probably have enough in my shed for everybody here <laughs> I don't throw them away so I, I give each one of you your own little Folgers bucket and I say I've got a barrel of gold coins up here And I'm going to fill all of your vessels with gold. All you got to do is come up here and get it. I would venture to bet every one of us would come up here with our buckets out. Yeah, fill me up. Yet something more valuable than gold God is offering to you this morning. Why would you pass that up? Why would you gamble with your eternal soul? Because the same is true this morning. God has given us all a vessel.
1: Us, our
0: bodies, who we are. And he is offering. All you have to do, he said, is ask. All you have to do is come and receive this treasure that I'm giving you, this great salvation, this great forgiveness. All you have to do is receive it. not going to tarry long i don't like to beg but i like to make sure you have plenty of opportunity that if here this morning god's dealing with you you can come and we can pray with you walk walk through you walk with it through you you know what i mean walk through it with you <laughs> Hallelujah. ladies just sing that chorus one more time if you will please